If you are struggling with anxiety, burnout, or stress, then my interview with life coach and fellow podcaster, Mark Fennell, could inspire you to make the changes needed to get your life back on track. In this episode, Mark talks about his own battles with anxiety and the mind and what he did to turn things around. You are listening to the Mindset Change Podcast. I'm your mindset coach, Paul Shepard, who is on a mission to help you heal your mind and body from the inside out so you can stop struggling and start living. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Please subscribe to help the show grow and more importantly, so you won't miss another episode. And welcome, Mark Fennell. And thanks for having me, Paul. Lovely to meet you. I know it's been a, a you know you're someone I see a lot on social media. I love your Instagrams, uh, love your reels uh, that you do. The energy that you have in your videos uh, and the information is I can see why you have such a big following. I first found you on TikTok, followed you on Insta, and now I've got you here. <laughs> and isn't it great I mean this one thing I love about socials is the fact that it brings people together in a way that are like-minded and I think that's what I do love about it and likewise I saw you coming up on my TikTok at one point and now you're like you're 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 one of the big fish now um you know and for me it's just, it's the same obviously I do a lot on Instagram um as well and I think that's one of the great things about social media. It brings people together who are like-minded. Mm. And then we're here chatting on a podcast with people who are listening in who are also like-minded. You know, so that is the good side of social media, it has to be said. Yeah, there's always a good side to something. I think it's when it gets out of balance and people go down those dark rabbit holes into maybe using social media for things that maybe not be in their best interest. <laughs> and that, actually, that brings me to one, a question that I want to ask you. Um, I, you know, a lot of yeah. your work focuses around mindset and, uh, you know, being successful and being happier. Uh, and you talk a lot about anxiety. Yep. And that's a subject that's yes. deep, you know, and close to my heart, um, having had an anxiety disorder. What do you think is happening at the moment? Is it social media? What else is, do you think is happening that's making people feel more anxious? There seems to be an epidemic. I think it's, yeah, I mean, look, we've had obviously COVID and there was definitely, I could see with the DMs, but also with clients, and I do a lot of corporate work. So I'd be talking to, you know, office staff and whatnot, and you could see they were more anxious and they weren't like that prior to say COVID or whatever. So definitely COVID has been, has a massive impact. Mm -hmm. Coming back out of COVID, going back into the canteen, back into the work environment, even the social settings with large groups and crowds and concerts. And so that definitely has impacted people's anxiety because anxiety is basically, as we, as we know, it's our body you know, it was a way of reacting to a perceived threat. And so when we've come out of COVID being told there's a threat that we cannot see, and now we're, you know, and it, it's transmitted from people, and now we're in a crowd or in a canteen, obviously alarm bells can ring internally. And so I've definitely seen it from that. But I've also seen with the transpiring of us going more online with how we work, working from home, working remote, we're, we're, we're on screens a whole lot more now. And I think more than ever, to be honest. And then obviously our, our social lives are very much indicative of social media and so forth. So we're becoming more on our phones and more on our laptops, et cetera. What's wrong with that? Well, the problem with that is it's taken time away from what otherwise would have been, say, a walk or commute to work. We were getting outside maybe for 20 minutes or walk to the shop at lunchtime. We're not getting those little breaks in our day. So basically, we're always switched on. And I think that always mm. switched on is a real problem. Our nervous system is not designed, as we know, to be built to be always on. So those little kind of breaks we would have gotten the day, walking to the water cooler to get a glass, whatever it might have been, we're not really getting them. And also we're not being stimulated differently because our environment is in our home or an apartment. We're not getting to, 
you know, see people or otherwise. We're in that small little bubble. And so therefore, I think all of that nervous system and how we work, you know, psychologically is not good for us. And therefore, we're getting into this, we're, we're thrust into this kind of constant being on, not being stimulated with things that might give us a break. And so I think that's hence certainly had an impact on people's anxiety levels for sure mm, i know I, I absolutely agree with you what do you think is stopping people from taking that break getting outside you know um moving the desk because the body builds up all that stress all that adrenaline all that cortisol mm. while they're sat at their desks and people don't move what yeah. do you think's preventing people from actually taking that level of self-care for themselves well, I think it's two things. I mean, first of, first of all, it's it's like if you're to hold, you know, something in your hand for a long period of time, the muscle starts to get stiff and, you know, you, or if you're sitting in a one position, you kind of have to stretch because there's tension in the body. That's that's a, a kind of a good way of understanding that that's how it sits in our body, stress and tension and anxiety. Um, but the second part of that is, so it's good to understand that this is what happens. But secondly, it, I think it's, it's down to the thing of a value. We don't value a break because we see it as insufficient. It's not productive and it's a waste of time. I think we start, we need to value our time, but also our rest time, our break time, our, you know, get our, getting our head out of a computer ahead of a phone time. We don't really value it. I think that's a big issue because we don't see the value in it. But when you can talk to someone who's been through anxiety or constant stress, or maybe they've got IBS and or whatever they might be struggling with, when they ha- get through it, they realize, my goodness, now I really do value those moments and those breaks because without them, I get sick. I feel unwell. I don't like how I feel. Anxiety elevates. So we need to start valuing it. I think that's the biggest problem. We don't value it because we are so driven right now to be productive, to do things, to get things. Every minute of every day has to be doing stuff. Hence, you got people who feel guilty when they take a day off. But, you know, we need to understand that those days are productive. Rest is productive. It's when the body repairs itself. It's when our mind settles itself and our hormones, you know, go back to center. So we've got to start, I suppose, educating ourselves, but also valuing these things. Because if we're in this, you know, game for the long for the long term, whether our business and even just, you know, relationships and all of those things that are a part of our life, all those different facets. If we're thinking with the long game, we need to be getting balance and we need to be getting rest because without it, we are not at our best self and therefore we don't function to the great, or I suppose the potential that we could function to. So we, I think value is a big thing. We just don't value it, but I think we should because it's so important. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? That I think this capitalist society of ours has really focused and made people feel guilty uh, for resting, which is, is, is absolutely crazy. Have you ever heard of the term stress laxing? Stress laxing. I mean, Stress explain laxing. that to me. No, I've not. Yeah. This is people. So <laughs> this is a, it's a term that seems to be popping up in popular psychology um, where I don't know who, who coined the phrase, but it's there, there are people who, when they go to relax, actually feel stressed because they're trying to relax. Mm. So as soon as they begin to no, sit down, they feel stressed. They can feel that tension begin to build. And before they know it, the mind is going Maybe we should, uh, you know, clear out the cupboards or we could uh, prepare the food for today's, t- tomorrow's, um, you know, family. Um, it goes through all sorts of things because, th- again, for some reason, their body goes, sees relaxing as a natural threat. Yeah, I mean, that's a conditioning. You know, that's that's something mm. that's been kind of created. We're not born like that. Um, that's something yeah. that's been created over time and through consistency. Um, and when we're, again, going back to the, oh, we switched on. It's ourselves that put ourselves in that position. I know myself what how bad that can get. And it's sometimes shows itself when someone is in a, a quiet room 
and they feel a little bit unnerved by the silence mm. or unnerved yeah. by the you know inactivity of things that's a real indication that maybe you've got a bit of anxiety around resting stopping and trying to switch off your body is like this isn't what i want it also can be an influx of adrenaline if there's adrenaline flowing through the body and you try to suddenly rest the body wants to keep moving um but i've also seen other things as well like you know, there's other things to be concerned about as well. It's sometimes you can get your blood tests done. If you're lacking in B12, for example, you can feel that way. If you're having too much caffeine, you can feel that way. Um, but also magnesium, for example. You know, so there's, there's again, I, I, that's not my area to talk on, but I have, you know, come across this many times. And sometimes if you're feeling that way and you've said, I've not conditioned myself to be like this, is there something afoot? Well, maybe get yourself checked out. But it can be, you know, a lot of the time, and I think more often than not, it's a conditioning where we've, we're always switched on. And that's why when we go on a holiday, it takes us three days to kind of thaw out um, because we've we've just been in that go mode for far too long. That's, again, going back to the point, rest rest is key and, and rest does facilitate you long-term to be and function at your best. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And you, you mentioned that you know about this because you got drawn into the anxiety world from your own experience with not resting yourself. Is that correct? Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, for me, executive coaching was where I started, and that's kind of where I was at. And I was in my kind of late twenties, and I was doing very well in the business. So I was doing a lot of traveling. I was speaking. I got to speak in the states. You know, a door opened there, and before I knew it, it was over in the states quite a bit in the UK and here in Ireland and so forth. So it, it, everything on paper was going great. I was busy doing what I loved to do, and my wife was involved with me in the business as well. But what was happening was. When you love something you do so much, you kind of lose track of time, which is not a bad thing. But when it's every day, it is because we just weren't getting time to kind of go out for our dinners. If we were out for dinner, it was out with a client. You know, we were just always on seven days a week. We might get one day off every two weeks, something like that. We were both immersed in the business and it was flat out half jet lags most of the time. And then one day I did a, or one evening, I'll give you the short story, but basically I was at a, did a finish on a talk. A couple came up to me, said we were, we were going to go file for a separation with divorce on the cards, but we thought maybe we'd give it one last shot. And maybe you could help us. I sat with them for two hours. I got home at like half 12 at night. I was up again at half six in the morning, went to the gym, got lightheaded, pains in my chest, collapsed. Next thing I'm in A&E being treated for a suspected heart attack. Now I'm in my 20s and in your 20s, we all know, we all think we're bulletproof. You know, oh, that happens mm-hmm. them. That would never happen to me. But all of, all of a sudden I was faced with my own mortality thinking this could have, this could be the end for me. This could be an issue. This could change everything. It turned out it wasn't a heart attack. It was, I had a ripped muscle in my chest, which I'd, I'd kind of ignored. But with the exhaustion, which was I experiencing, the lightheadedness that I was experiencing, and all the other symptoms of anxiety, which I did not know were anxiety at the time, all of those symptoms coupled with the heart, and it looked like it was a heart attack, but it turned out it wasn't. And the doctor said, you are exhausted, and your blood works would reflect that, and your stress levels and everything would show that. And that collapsing was just your body is starting to give out. You just cannot keep at this pace. I told him my schedule. And he just looked at me, said, I didn't think, you know, um, most humans could do that for such a long period of time. It wasn't that I was busy over the last kind of few weeks. I was like this for about two years. So that was the real issue. It was a slow burner, both ends of the candles. Anyway, anxiety got in, health anxiety. Mm. For the first time, I realized my body could fail me. I wasn't in control. The fear got in. What if this happened again? What if this happened? What about my loved ones, et cetera, et cetera. Fear got in, anxiety got in, which I now know. And... I went from being, you know, a very driven, motivating, you know, coach leader to someone who was 
still like that went on stage but behind it all i was i was dying inside like i was literally a state of fear um i lost sleep couldn't sleep couldn't eat fear of what you know thoughts of oh i'm swallowing wrong oh what's this lump or bump or what's this all sorts of things anyway i'll fast track the story i lost like five uh it was it was two stone and weight and then i went to a three stone and weight. I lost, I lost a lot of weight um it took me two years i didn't go on medication i didn't go to counselor didn't go to therapist the doctor wanted to put me on medication they wanted me to go mm. to hospital for for a period of time a special hospital that deals with it. i didn't do any of that um and i'm not against any of that either but for me there was a part of me i don't know maybe it was my instinct something inside me says if you can get through this you'll get through anything. If you can get through this, how many people could you help? And for some reason, something says, if you got yourself into this, you can get yourself out of this. And you always have the doctors to go back on if it doesn't work, but give yourself the time. And I said, right, I'll give myself a month. Then it was six months. Then it was a year. Then it was 18 months. And I remember Googling at one point, what is insanity? How do I know if I'm going insane? And ironically, the, the blog said, you're, if you're Googling how to know if I'm going insane, you're clearly not because people going insane don't know they are. <laughs> so okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I would have had heightened fear about that, like severe anxiety, thinking those ruminating thoughts of why can't I stop thinking these thoughts? Can't, why can't I stop? Why can't I stop? And I really, I suppose, doubled down on psychology at that point. I was a lover of it anyway, and I really got into it. Um, a whole lot more on the kind of mental health side of things. Hmm. And I broke through in very gradual, tiny spaces through anxiety. And about two years later, I would have deemed myself anxiety free. I've never struggled with anxiety since that day. I've had normal anxiety around, oh, I have a talk, I'm a bit anxious, or I've got the normal stuff, but it's I've never lost a night's sleep. I've never not eaten a meal. Um, and this now is well over 10 years ago. So uh, I can kind of well, say you can get through it, but it's hard. What do you think you did? Because I, I tried the traditional approaches. My doctor said to me, here's medication. And I was too scared to take it. Um, and I don't know if that was a right or wrong decision back then. Um, and I tried other traditional pro- approaches and it was all focused on what was in my mind. Uh, what was I thinking about? And I, no one quite kind of got that anxiety was in my body, really in my stomach more than anything else. And there was no advice mm. or help for that. So it took me on a trajectory where I am now. But what helped you? What If you did go down a traditional route, what did you find from your doubling down on psychology that began to turn things around for you? Yeah, so fortunately, I had a, I, I had a, a good, I suppose, I, I was always a bookworm. So I had a lot of knowledge from how the mind works and so forth. But mm. I'd never tackled anxiety. I didn't even know it was anxiety at the time. That wasn't even a, the title put on it. You know, oh, he's struggling bad with his nerves because he's exhausted. That's how they described it to me. And I didn't want to go on medication because I did a lot of homework into the medication. And I know some, you know, doctors and different things. And I I'd kind of asked around and they were all saying, I'll go into my, everyone said, go on medication. And when all the doctors and everyone you know who's influential is telling you to do one thing and you're saying no, you think either this is really going to work or this really isn't. And um, I did my homework. So that's what put me off the medication. They said, look, it works for a time, but it doesn't work indefinitely. And I said, I, I just don't want to do that. And a glutton for punishment, I said, I'm just going to double down and, and really try hard. So your question, what was it that did it for me? I tell you what it was. I discovered that our thoughts are not always our own. And that sounds very simple, but to me, that was a big moment when I realized my brain can throw up thoughts and images that are not really coming. I don't want them and they're not coming from me. And my brain can continue to play those thoughts against my will. 
And when I say I don't want to think about something, that's like telling my brain, you know, you don't want to think about this thing. You don't want to think about this thing. And it just shows you more and more. And I read yeah. a book that kind of highlighted that. Um, I, I remember the time and so forth. And I read some some case studies and, you know, those the stuff that people probably don't read online, you know, the, the PDFs that you can download from the colleges and the universe. I did. And I read them all because it was just even a mild distraction. But what was the thing? I realized that I separated and I put it like this you know, I separated, and it's not a literal statement, it's a metaphorical. I separated my heart from my head. And I realized my head's in a state of anxious fear. And it really was fear more than anxiety. It was fear that's the root. And I had to, I had to separate that too and identify that anxiety is a reaction. It's the fear that's the problem, um, being in a state of fear. And so when I realized separating my heart from my head, my, I use that symbolically, my heart was me, what I wanted. And I didn't want these thoughts. I didn't want anxiety. I was able to decide that these thoughts, some thoughts were good and these thoughts were bad. And I said, so there is a part of me that can differentiate. That's the part of me that believes I can get through this. And I call that my heart, my instinct, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized then, so clearly if I can identify bad thoughts, the thought being there in the first place was brought up by my mind. My, my thoughts are not always my own. And that's how it started to play out for me. And I started to take this approach like a coach to myself, observing myself as if I was helping a client. And through that process, I started to identify, now that thought now, you know what, that's just a thought. See the way my body's reacting anxiously to those series of thoughts? Well, that's how it is. And that's how anybody would react to those series of thoughts. However, the difference is mm -hmm. this, they are merely just thoughts. And that's hard when you're in a state of anxiety to convince yourself of this. But I just start, these are just thoughts. And I will get through this. I can, I will, and I must get through this. And I started reaffirming myself like that as well. And, and, and you know, coaching myself, as it were, through it. It was incredibly difficult. Like, inc I've done some hard stuff in my life. But that was, it was the most incredible. Because when the battle is within, it mm. is one you can't run from. It's not one you can leave a room and the fight, the argument was over there. It's within. And it's the hardest battle you'll ever fight, I think. Do you think... Um... You know, I, do, I absolutely agree with you. I think for a lot of people, when I see them, they think they shouldn't feel anxious. They think they shouldn't have anxiety. And I think that resistance mm. creates a battle because, and it's a battle yeah. that, because we're saying I shouldn't have this. So the nervous system is all it's hearing. The brain is all it's hearing is I'm in danger from this experience. So I say to clients, the anxiety isn't the problem. The feeling isn't the problem. It just needs to be soothed. It's your perception of yeah. what you're experiencing is creating a battle and there's never going to be a winner with that. So it sounds like you created yeah. what you, you, you stopped resisting. You began to observe your thoughts. Is that like mindfulness for you? Yeah. I mean, to a degree, well, basically what I would say was this, I realized I said me trying to fight anxiety. Um, it's like trying to fight the weather. No, I need it to be sunny. I need it to be sunny. Make it sunny. Yeah. Make it sunny. I'm just going to get more frustrated, more discontent because it's raining. And I realized, you know what? I'm anxious and I'm just going to like, you know what? But I've nothing to fear. I'm not in danger. But my thoughts, but what if your thoughts were through, Mark? What if those thoughts that you fear did come through? What if it is a heart? What if you are dying? What if you are going insane? What if, and I started to say, and this is what people sometimes kind of look at me sideways with. And I say, I started to go, well, so what if I am? Mm. And I says, but what if you're going to say, well, so what if I am? I'll deal. And But so what if those thoughts come through? Well, if they do, I'll deal. But what if, Mark, the, your fear that you're thinking about now, what if that happens? So what if it does? I'll deal. But until it's fact, it's fiction. 
And that for me was a game changer. And mm. I started to realize that, you know what? I'm not going to resist anxiety anymore. I'm like, oh, there's anxiety. I used to actually go, oh, there's anxiety. I had, I had a feeling you'd show up today. Listen, <laughs> you work away, but I'm going to this meeting. You know, you, you be anxious, but I'm getting on that stage to deliver that talk. You know, you be anxious, but I'm going out for dinner. You know, anxiety, you can come if you want, but I'm still going. And I got to that place with anxiety. And ultimately, that was what that's what broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I ended up not fearing being anxious, not fearing the thoughts. And the amazing thing is then they just kind of go away. But here's what I will say. Then one day out of the blue, they can just pop back in. And mm. you get this thought. Maybe you're already in an anxious state because of the day you've had or whatever. And it comes back in. And you have to be quick off the mark and go, oh, there you are. Just popping your head up. Listen, it's okay. But that's just my body reacting to those thoughts because those thoughts would give anybody anxious uh, anxiety. I'm not resisting it anymore because I don't. And the big thing was not just that I don't resist it. I don't fear it because it's anxiety. You can't kill me. And if you do kill me, well, then I can't complain about it because I'm gone anyway. So I just started going, removing all the fearful, mm. you know, end game points from anxiety, if that made sense. I just, the narratives, I just came up with, instead of saying what if i said well so what so bloody what that's where i got to <laughs> you know and 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 that was it's incredible what that can do for your resilience and in your you know internally it, it's it's pretty pretty incredible um but it's very it's not an overnight thing and just being like that at first you sometimes have to fake it till you make it in a way like i was getting like that even though i was in an anxious state i would be switching between oh no but what if it is true no it's so what but what if it is you know i was this mm. internal battlefield but over time, if you're consistent, you get to a place of understanding and clarity is key, understanding how your body works and you know, your gut is like the second brain and knowing all that is, is really, really important. Knowledge is power. And sometimes we just, we're not taught this stuff in school. Yeah, no, I, I love that you changed your relationship with anxiety and that sounds like a, a big game changer. And I really do can relate to the way that you talked about your thought process because when I started exploring mindfulness and they said, did you know that your thoughts are not real? I, I looked at the person telling me that and what do you mean? I'm thinking it's, it must mean something. It must be real. Surely it's real. And then yeah, when, I finally, yeah. when I finally got it, I remember I had a few tears because I was thinking, I've believed my thoughts all this time. <laughs> you know, I've been yeah, calm. I've been lied to. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I, listen, I 110% am with you, Paul. I mean, for me, you know, I remember, like, if I thought it, it must be true. You know, if I thought yes. it, there has to be fact to it. If I thought it, there's a reason I thought it, you know. Or, you know, sometimes people say, oh, if something good's happened to me, that means something bad might happen. And they would believe that. I'm like, there's no evidence to say that any of that's true. So I, 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 I've said this to people quite often. I was working with a guy who was suffering from depression and I said to him and I said, you know what? I he was asking me about my scenario and I said, I stopped taking myself and my thoughts so seriously. And I started to end up laughing at it almost. It sounds like a madman, right? But I started to go, Jeepers, that's a mad thought. <laughs> you know, and I was like, Asher, look. <laughs> you know, And it I realized that your brain is a computer. It's like Google search. It'll, it'll just pull up stuff and it'll always give you the worst case scenario first because that's what people search for the most. You know, fear is an incredible driver. And I said, your brain is just like Google. It's working from its memories and the knowledge that already has to present you with, you know, possibilities. Um, it's trying to protect you at the end of the day. So there's no enemy within, you know, some people say, you've got to keep the black dog away from the door and so forth. And they refer to anxiety, sometimes referred to depression. And I said, you know what? Believing that it is a dog in itself gets me stressed. And I started going, oh, it's just an annoying little puppy. You know, and I started <laughs> yeah. to visually see anxiety different. And all of that gave me the power back. 
because I didn't let it take control. And even if I had control of my body, and even if I was in a stressed state, I said, well, I still have the control to make the decisions I want to make and to go where I want to go. And anxiety cannot stop me. It tries to influence me and push me to not want to go out being in that fearful state. But I said, anxiety, no matter what you do, you're not stopping me going here. You're not stopping me doing that. And one big thing came to me was this, no matter, and I read it from a book, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. Um, and I read it and it says, no matter what is taken, I'm paraphrasing, no matter what is taken away from you, nobody can take away your ability to choose. And I said, you know what, no matter what anxiety does, it can't stop me from making the choice in what I do next. Even though I could be rattling with adrenaline doing it, I can still do it. And that was where I took the power back. Game changer. Yeah, I love that book, Man's Search for Meaning. I recommended that to someone the other day. Um, and that that, that quote is always, one of the best books of all time. Out. Yeah, it is one of the best books of all time. It, that If a guy can, in the middle of Auschwitz, um, focus on, and this is where the future self stuff that I like to promote comes into it. He noticed how low hope, you know, if you were a prisoner, and it's understandable to have low hope in Auschwitz, uh, low hope 100%. was what ca- began to kill people off besides, you know, what else was going on within the camp. You know, it's that yeah. there was no will to live, no will to to carry on. And people who had a, a mission, he had his mission to get out of Auschwitz, to survive and to to promote his uh, to promote his work. He quote, he credits that as what that's what got him through it. Um, so I, mm. I guess with mm. the, you know, if you think about it, did you have a future vision of you where you got past anxiety, where you were not going to let anxiety bring you down? Yeah, at first I couldn't, at first I couldn't mm. see past it. I just said, get through today, get through today, you know, um, and that was my process for a good, you know, I'm going to say a few months was just survive, you know, and it's probably six months. No, actually it wasn't. It was, I tell you how long it was. It was about four months mm. because I had one uh, moment where I kind of broke through and I went, oh, I can actually get through this. But um, for me, eventually I got to a place. Yeah, I did. And, and that was what really, hope is a powerful thing. And having faith and saying, just I'll get through this, you know. And I, I remember, you know, I said, dear God, will you help me get through this? You know, you're you're at rock, but you'll mm. just, you don't know what to be doing. And I, I remember just going, I'm going to get through this. And when I do, what it's going to teach me is going to be amazing. But what I will teach others will be the, the real value in me going through this. I said, so there's purpose to this pain. I remember doing a yeah. podcast on it. There's purpose to this pain. Yeah, I love and, that. And that's gave me focus. That just came to me one morning. I remember just purpose to this pain. You know, see the purpose in it, Mark. It's tough. It's like going to the gym. It's tough. You're sweating. It's hard. It's heavyweight. But when you get through it, there'll be growth. And that growth, you can teach other people. And so thinking about other people besides myself, like, you know, even my family, me getting back to being me again and helping other people. I used to think I'll be, this could affect me negatively for the rest of my life and I'll never be the same person. That was a massive Mm -hmm. fear. And I realized I didn't change through it. I grew through it. So I wasn't, I was, I was a better, stronger mind mindset wise was just way better coming out of it. Um, and so the mad thing I will say, what I wish it on anybody, not, I wouldn't wish it on my, on anybody, but, I'm glad I went through it because what it taught me, no book could teach me. It taught me stuff about anxiety that you just cannot understand unless you've gone through it. I really, I know, I'm, I know there's great doctors and psychologists who do understand it to a lot, but when you've been through it, you really get it that this is not just your thoughts. This is, you know, visceral, you know? Oh, I absolutely agree. It nearly killed me off. I, you know, I, I did contemplate not carrying on, but there was that. I've that, seen I think so I, many, and I get that. Yeah. 
Mm, yeah, I that completely feeling understand. I can understand of, that. Yeah. So sorry, carry on. Carry on. No, but I, I, sorry, just yeah. to echo your point, and, and mm. I I get that, and I and I and I've seen because you know anxiety, depression is very similar. You know, mm. it just affects us differently. But I've seen where you just feel there's no purpose, and how can I continue my life like this? And you know. And I, I, I can understand, I've seen clients, I, I know how people can get to that place, you know, because this is not just a one day, one week thing. This thing is there for a long time and it doesn't get better. It gets worse, if anything. It gets worse before it gets better, I think. But I, I completely understand that. And I think that's when you get to that point, that's when you need somebody or something. You you just, sometimes you need, we need the support because some days are just tough. My wife was just a, a dream through all this. Um. And I think for the, she's, she's quite a very, she's a very laid back person and she's, she thinks differently to me. And so she would, you know, say, um, well, it doesn't matter if you're anxious, we'll still go and do this anyway. And if you get anxious, I don't mind. If you want to leave early, that's fine, but just show up. And she used to say that kind of thing. And that little, just little pep talk was sometimes what I, all I needed to kind of rock on and stuff. Um, but eventually you get your own strength, you know, from within and you just, you just carry on. But I can see how, yeah. Yeah. Despair well, sets in, you see, you, you yeah, just go, line. I can't find a solution the mind lies to you the mind um you know it's the ego it's it's convincing you that mm. there's no hope to go forward um and it's really easy to believe as well and i would you know i would say to anyone who's struggling with anxiety right now um just as you've experienced or just as i've experienced you will get past it and like you i'm i'm really grateful that i had anxiety not only has it given me a very blessed career but uh, it woke me up to I couldn't really carry on living the way I was living. And I had so much mm. trapped trauma in my body, which is being expressed for anxiety. None of that would have been dealt with if there hadn't been anxiety. I would have just trundled along, carrying all that emotional baggage, seeing the world in a very, through a lens of trauma, uh, being a victim, um, carrying on a lifestyle that was not going to be sustainable. So I, I credit yeah. anxiety with waking me up and saying, you can't do this anymore there needs to be a change yeah and and yeah. i think that's and a that very was me and that was my wake-up call yeah. yeah no you're you're absolutely right i mean for me it was a, it was a wake-up call and i couldn't continue and i was i was although i loved work i was neglecting other things that i do love but just had kind of put to the sideline and, and it gave me after a time it gave me a new outlook on life a new mindset to work from a, certainly a resilience um you know and and from a coach even you know i went up 10x but i think for me the greatest thing was i discovered what really is important in life um mm. and although career and business success is all is very important to me i value it but what's really important the other things and i think that's what it taught me a lesson the hard way but glad i learned it what do you think is what do you think you were neglecting that was important to you what what would you say to anyone who's listening to this now who's thinking, oh, that sounds a bit like me, but they might not realize what that those important things could be? Yeah, it's a good question. For me, it was time and space. And let me, let me elaborate. Mm -hmm. Getting time to just, I was so driven on being productive because I loved what I was doing, right? And there was always something to be done. Um, but for me, what I realized was having time and space in your schedule just to enjoy the moment, just to enjoy going for a dinner, going to the cinema. That doesn't have to be. I was very purpose driven in a bad way. And what I mean is it's good to have purpose. We all need a sense of purpose. But I had to everything I did have to had to have purpose. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't see the purpose in 
sitting on a couch watching TV. I couldn't see the purpose in going to the cinema or doing that. I couldn't see purpose in it. There's no purpose. That's not helping my, you know, my ambition as a 20-something-year-old in this business. That's, that's, there's no purpose in it. The problem was, uh, that was my big problem. And I realized that there's purpose in spending time with loved ones. There's purpose in enjoying life. There's purpose in spending money, not just making money. You know, there's, there's purpose in so many more things. And it's a purpose that money or business cannot give you. It's a sense of living. And I always say, put the life into living. You know, we're here, as I say, you work in order to live. You don't live to work. And that was my kind of catalyst. I had to understand that going for hikes is really enjoyable. I I love the outdoors. I always did love outdoors, but I put it all on hold. So now I'm back kayaking, I'm back mountain biking, I'm back hiking, I'm doing outdoorsy things. I'm we're having our chill Netflix and chill days and so forth. My point is all of those things which may not have a huge sense of purpose to them, they actually do because they make us human and they allow us to enjoy this day, which is ultimately a gift. I know that sounds, you know, funny to some people, but when you're in the throngs of being busy and anxious, you life is passing you by, literally. You have to take stock and stop and say, let's meet them for dinner. Let's meet them for, you know, let's go for a hike. Let's do the, the things that, put a smile on your face are generally the experiences and it's okay you'll have career experiences but the life experiences they're the things that become memories they're the things we like to photograph you know and it's creating those experiences and memories that makes life full because like what i understood and learned as i was going through all of this i realized we all have needs as human beings that need to be topped up and new experiences is one of those needs you know feeling or connecting or belonging to you know, family and loved ones is is another one of those experiences that we need in life. Because when we are detached, we kind of, our, our, our cup gets emptied. So the point is, we're not, our business and career is important, but it's only one piece of the pie. And it opened my eyes up to the, all the other pieces of the pies that I wasn't neglecting. But when I started to do them again, I went, oh my goodness, I forgot how much I love doing this. And that's what I, that's what I, that's what I discovered, the values. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like, you are reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with who you really are. I posted a video last night on social media and I noticed how many people had watched it this morning and how many people had commented feeling that they were completely disconnected. You know, they were scrolling through their phones, hoping to find something that would mean something. You know, they're trying to fill the void Mm. inside that creates anxiety, stress and depression with porn. They're gambling, um, they're shopping, they're looking for any new shiny thing experience that will just make them feel like there's something inside of them. And um, that Mm. can make, as I said, that can make us feel very, very anxious. And it sounds like you found your, you know, you reconnected again when you started to realize what is really valuable to you. And you know what's interesting? Because like, <laughs> I remember one time and I, when I was working through the anxiety, I was walking through a forest and I seen a deer in the forest. I was like, oh my goodness, that's fascinating. I can't, I've never seen a deer here before. And I remember just, it just kind of got me out of my head for a moment. I remember seeing the deer and it ran off and whatever else. And this kind of sounds funny, right? Um, you know, but I remember going, I've walked this track so many times feeling anxious and never actually acknowledged how this place looks or even the smells of it and the animal you know I just like I was been stuck in my head mm-hmm. and I think the experiences get you out of your head and into reality and kind of thing you know and it's not that I'm a tree hugger or anything like this but I do think nature is a powerful thing being honest with it you it is um but I realized look how amazing this is and I remember stopping and sitting down 
going, oh my God, the birds and everything. I was like, I was like what, what am I having? Is this like a moment? You know, I felt like, I felt like <laughs> so stupid. Like, but I was like, I just have not stopped to enjoy what's right here in front of me and stuff. And anyway, I, rem- I remember going, I need to just stop being in my head all the time. And so I stopped listening mm-hmm. to podcasts when I went for a walk um, and just, I suppose, being more present. I know for a lot of you that might sound fluffy. Listen, I'm not a fluffy guy. I'm very practical, you know, but I realized, my goodness, I get more out of the walk when I'm just clearing the head, just going for the walk, you know, then then listen to something. Because when I listen to something, I'm in my head again, listening yeah, to yeah. the process and whatever it might be. So I think we just need to, if, if someone said what, what would help in life or if I'm, you know, we reach for the dopamine hit of, you know, whether it be gambling or whatever it might be, but there's, there's a lot of little mini dopamine hits around us if we just started opening up the door to them and, again and, and including them in our lives. And it can be the simplest of things. Like I never thought I'd like reading until I read a book I loved. I never thought I'd like hiking until I started, you know, hiking around these mountains. And then I realized, mm. I love this. I didn't think I'd be, be bothered getting up off the couch going for a hike. But here I am. Now I have a kayak and a mountain bike and everything. So give yourself a chance. You might find things that you fall in love with. My wife, for example, went back playing hockey um in the last few years and something she loved when she was a teenager and she's loving it and she's you know decent at it and good at it but it's what she loves to do now and my point is if she never tried it she wouldn't have experienced it but now she's doing hockey twice three times a week so my point is there are experiences that everyone has they just need to give them a chance again and you might fall in love with something all over again and realize my goodness i forgot how much i love this thing you know I also I, I love that, and I also think: Have you ever noticed that when you're caught up in work mode and you're just rushing to be productive, how time just seems to go so quickly? Before we know it, five years has gone, and we're like, "What have I done with my time?" I think COVID was like that for a lot of people. It's like, you know, there's no peak yeah. experiences in that three years of it was people just, you know, no idea what was going on. It was a lot of isolation. Uh, but for some people, it's almost like that time was a blur. But when you have lots of peak experiences, when you're connecting with yourself and you're, you're you know, when you're kayaking and you're, you know, you're hiking. And um, I, I think I've seen you on a, 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 on a strange bike riding through the woods on, on one of your videos. Um, so you yeah. do all sorts of things. Do you think it's, that it's a downhill mountain bike? So, it- <laughs> so um, do you think it? Just that time slows down a little so you can fully appreciate those uh, those peak experiences. That's where we begin to become present it fully is. in the moment you know what? and engaged. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, here's what happens. As adults, we get too damn serious. That's what happens as adults. We get focused on the career and that's great to have that. I mean, I love what I do, but there's way more to life than that, right? And we get so serious and wrapped up. Like, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I will say this. We need to sometimes give ourselves a bit of a shake and say, do you know what? Let's not do the same thing we do every weekend or whatever. Let's go do something different. Like we went to a party a few weeks ago and we booked into the hotel and we said, you know, we'll, we'll, let's stay to the party till the end, right? Till the death, right? So it was, <laughs> okay. it was a, a 40th birthday and we were there till like three in the morning in the hotel, whatever else. But when I was going, we were driving out to the hotel that day. It was friends of ours. I, I remember going um, that morning because the hotel was by the beach. And I said, I'm going to make a decision to get into the sea the next day, no matter what the weather's like. I'm going to just do it. Right. Uh-huh. And I was like, it's going to be freezing. I said, I don't care. I'm just going to do it just to do it. Right. So I go to this. We're up till three in the morning. So actually, it was four, half four. When we went to bed. I love parties anyway. Right. But it was four, half four. And we went to bed, got up for breakfast next morning. We're quite tired, obviously. It was a late night. And, I, and she goes, are you still going to do it? And I said, I definitely am. And I went 
jumped in the sea, freshened me, woke me up. It was sideways wind. It was not a nice day. Got in the sea and whatever else. And then we just went home. But I came away going, that was one of the highlights of my weekend. You know, it was just something random. And I think we need to do more random stuff. Just get out Mm. of our heads and into reality and go, do you know what? I'm going to try to do downhill mountain biking. I did that four years ago. And to this day, I'm still downhill mountain biking because I loved it so much, right? That might not be for someone, but you might say, you know what? I'm going to join a squash club or a tennis club or a hockey, whatever it might be. But get around like-minded people doing stuff. And the whole purpose is to have fun. There's a lot of purpose in fun. And that for me was the thing I lost when I think about it now from talking to you. I lost having fun. I was all about focus. And fun has no purpose otherwise other than just a great experience and make you smile and i think we need to do a whole lot more of that i do a, a monthly group that i coach and and obviously i do training and coaching workshops every month twice a month but i also introduce social things now so we'll go and we'll do a hike together or we'll go and do zip wires together and so forth i'm also including that now and people are kind of saying i love this because we're not we're now talking about the coaching stuff but we're now having letting the hair down and having fun as well mm-hmm. mark you've forced us to have a bit of crack I think we need to be for sorry, crack in Ireland means fun. You know that. Yeah, just in case yeah, people yeah, are listening yeah. don't know yeah. that. Um, it's another word for fun. Crack August <laughs> Kill means fun and music. But it's a square again. But anyway, right? My point is we get too serious and I think we need to inject a whole lot more fun in our lives. And there are things we find fun. It's just about finding what is fun for you. I'd absolutely 100% agree on that. Because I think people are becoming quite boring. And again, we're the trying world to. world is boring. Yeah, we're, we're 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 becoming so stable, so secure, doing everything we can to feel safe. People are living average lives. I did a podcast episode called "Is Your Average Life Making You Anxious?" <laughs> because again, that stagnation is depressing. It's it's oppressive, um, and people are obviously craving for something that will just make them feel alive. And I'm. I think what you described perfectly there then is connecting with other human beings, finding your tribe and finding something that you can all have in common to experience. You know, I go to uh, a big exercise thing. I did High Rocks a couple of weeks ago, which is an athletics competition. It's an amazing experience. That was um, besides a, a slight killer, but it was also at the same time, the atmosphere was electric. You're doing something that you don't normally do. You're doing it with an amazing bunch of people. Um, and it, yeah. the more that we begin to find these things out and begin to explore them and take the risk, you know, don't, don't, don't let the ego convince you that you're going to be no good, that you're going to not enjoy it, that you're going to be somehow ashamed or embarrassed if you attempt it. That's the mind is very clever that way. But as you said, with your mm. what you said at the beginning is these thoughts are going to pop into your mind. But if you have a relationship with them where you're just literally saying, but these are just thoughts, oh, they all come, you know, you can see what well, you're this like, is I'm it. still going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, you can you can get yeah, a that's, different that's life where you need to get to mm. because we get anxious around, you know, we don't want to be socially rejected or look foolish. And so oh, I'm, I'm going to do this spin class. What will people think? I've never been on a bike in years, you know, or whatever it might be or, you know, or an endurance trek or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be that dramatic, but but we get fearful of what will people think? Well, you know what? Who cares what they think, you know, and, and get out of your own head. And I will also say sometimes we need to get out of our own ways. It's mm. only us stopping us. Nobody will think probably anything anyway, because most people are more con- more concerned about their own selves than they are about you know other people. So just go, just do. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you're crap at it, you're crap at it. But the fun is taking part, you know, and it really is that because I do down, down say mountain biking. I haven't done it in a few months now, but, but I love it, right? And 
what's interesting is there's guys flying down the hill beside you who are way faster, jumping and doing jumps. I don't do jumps or any of that stuff. You know, they're doing all these mad stuff. Now, I could say, oh, I'm amateur compared to them, but I don't care what I am. I'm doing it for the fun of it. You know, yeah. and, and you have to just stop comparing because comparison is the thief, thief of joy, as uh, it was Roosevelt said that. But yeah. it's so true. And sometimes I say, you know, what? I'm just going to try this, you know, just try that. And it could be something simple. I know someone who is a business owner. They have multiple businesses and they joined a pottery class, you know, just to, to try it. And now they love it. You know, I know another yeah. person um, who, who, who got a dog and they they're now training the dog and it's like they love the whole experience of having a dog and some people say oh it's a lot of work but they're loving it so my point is find what's fun for you and include it doesn't have to be every day but at least once a week yeah that's such a comfort zone you know it's um you know otherwise you'll start to stagnate and you'll start to soon know about it uh mark this has been an amazing conversation (laughs) um i've loved talking to you i could go on for hours um where can people find you if they want to know more about Mark and your coaching? Uh, you do all sorts of stuff. You've even got a podcast called the Adult Life Podcast, so people can have a look at you there. But That's where right. can they find you if they want to connect and have a chat and maybe explore your work from there? Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I'm on TikTok and Instagram at markfennel.ie. And my website is www.markfennel.ie. Um, so just, yeah, connect with me there. Um, you'll see what we do. There's lots on there. But listen, thanks so much, Paul, for having me on as well. Always a yeah, pleasure to chat. And um, I know we'll, we'll be chatting again, no doubt. So uh, great to be on this great podcast. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're most welcome. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. So I have some exciting plans for 2023. If you are interested in joining me for some group coaching testers, please contact me via the show notes and I will send you details when they are ready. You can also reach out to me if you prefer one-to-one coaching help with any of the subjects I cover in the show. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with me. Stay awake, stay aware, give yourself some loving and have an incredible day.